section of Bible store of uh, Bible questions that um, I am putting um, in a file. Haven't got any new ones yet, but we have covered um, a couple questions so far. So again, to remind you, if you have uh, any questions, or if you're teaching a Sunday school class, or teaching some study that you want to encourage questions, um, encourage our people to. Uh, put them in the in the question box. One of the reasons why I encourage questions is that questions, sometimes uh, just working on a question and how to word it is helpful. And you think through um, the issue and the scripture that's, that's given. So uh, I think the question process is a good one. It's a learning experience for, for each of us, for myself included. So I want to encourage you to keep doing it. I want to keep using that. So you can encourage others to, to, uh, to use that, and you can use that as well. <coughs> I'll tell you, if I can't answer a question, that's, that's fine. I won't have a problem saying I don't know. I don't know that answer. Or that the answer, uh, either answer may not be known, or it's just that I don't know it. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll deal um, rightly with the scriptures. That's what we want to do. I also want to mention... Um, the course that we just finished, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. I love um, going through that. It was very helpful. Um, and so I know a lot of you weren't able to make that class. And uh, I'm going to look at ways that we can get that same material, teach that material here and uh, uh, take advantage of it. The, the purpose of that really is... Um, well, we'll turn to Ephesians 4 and take a look at, at the, the scripture there, the principle there. Ephesians 4.11 says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. <clears throat> God gave gifts to the church. He gave people to the church for the sanctification, the building up, the growth of the church to be more and more like Christ. And uh, one of the purposes, one of the questions that we discussed yesterday uh, we talked about, you know, in the context of counseling, you're saying that really uh, there is a uh, there's a formal and general ministry of the word in our churches that comes from the pulpit, comes from our Sunday school classes, and you're saying that needs to be followed up with a personal ministry of the word, that the formal or the um, impersonal ministry of the word has its purpose and, and God directs it that way um, but it is not alone uh, adequate to bring change in people's lives until they actually apply the word and the process that God has for us in applying the word is the interaction with each other for instance let's turn to Colossians chapter chapter 3 we read some of that this morning I want to use Colossians because we're so familiar with it Tonight I'm going to look at verse 15, but for, for this discussion I want to start at verse 16. It says, I'm in Colossians 3, verse 16. You with me? 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I wonder who the you is in, in that verse. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Who do you suppose that is? Is he talking to apostles? Is he talking to pastors, church leaders? Is he talking to uh, believers? Is he talking to um, unbelievers? What, what would be the, uh, who would that be in, in regards to? Since I didn't get any Bible questions, I'll ask you the Bible questions. All right, here's the Bible question. Who, who wants to speak to that? Help me out. Okay. And what's that based on? Huh? Yeah, what do we get that answer from? Do we just make it up or does it have something to do with, with what's said there? Help us out. Right? Verse 4. How about verse 12? Put on then as, and he speaks to who? God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, right? And he continues that same thought. Verse 14, above all, put, put, above all these, put on love. And verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So it's talking to believers, right? Now what does he say? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How does the word of Christ, according to this verse, dwell in? The word dwell means what? Um, to live in you. Okay, so what is, how does that happen according to this verse? How, how, what's the process of God's word living in us? Huh? So according to this verse, though, uh, how do you get that? <laughs> according to this verse, not a trick question. What's the process God uses for the word of God to dwell in us richly? No, what's the process? Ver according to this verse. How, how does that happen in our lives? How does it happen that the word of God dwells in us or lives in us? According to this verse, I don't see the Holy Spirit. What? And doing what? What's the next word? One another. Right? Read that again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. It's, 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 it's the interaction that we have with each other that allows or is, is a process that works the word into our lives. Illustrate that for me. Anybody have an illustration of that? Or how about this? She was talking about um, just working things out as a couple and other people hearing that. But it's the other people hearing that that give you feedback on where you are, right? Um, is, that, is that appropriate? Is that proper? Do you need to make some adjustments? And when we, we know other people are listening to us, now we're more mindful that, uh-oh, I better be careful how I say this. 
not just sound, making it sound good, but how do I respond to my wife? Not just so I look good in front of people, but so that I'm doing it in the right way. Others are watching me. So my kids, when, when you are at home, when, you, when, I was, when I was a parent that had children at home, you, you're careful at how you speak to each other because your children are watching, right? Not just for their eyes, but to teach them properly, right? And so I want my relationship to be right um, for, 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 um, for the, uh, in, other, in order to encourage others. But that is, a, that is kind of a, a check on me. That's, that's a, a uh, accountability to me. One of the, I said illustrate this. I think it's illustrated in, in what we looked at this morning. Um, Paul took the word to Philemon, and he took it personally to him in a personal letter, right? And he also brought accountability with that. So he is teaching and he's admonishing uh, Philemon in a personal way, not just the, the broad uh, letter appeal to everybody, but here's Philemon. Philemon, this is how you need to, to respond. Uh, this is how you need to put the word of God to, to action in your own life. Does that make sense? Does that, does that illustrate that truth? So verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. So even as we worship, as we sing songs, we are admonishing one another. We are teaching each other. We are reminding each other of truths that, that help us live our lives to the glory of God. Now, I said all that. You say, well, how do you connect that, what you said before about the class you took and, and, and this counseling and this public ministry and this private ministry of the word? The private ministry of the word is absolutely essential. In fact, God intended for that to be happening in a healthy church. I made a comment in the class yesterday. We were talking about how, how uh, you know, we need to build relationships so that we can have um, genuine um, interaction with each other, not just talk about sports and the weather, but we can actually talk about real things that's going on in our lives and, and have a relationship that's close enough to deal with that. And one of the things I said was, in reality, it's impossible for all of us to have those close relationships with everybody. But what is possible is for us to have a circle of friends that interact with us in meaningful ways. Not everybody's going to do that, but there's a circle of friends that interact with us. God intends for that to be going on in a healthy way in the body of Christ so that um, people have the wisdom of God coming from other people and speaking into their lives. My point is this. That's not the role of the pastor only. It's impossible for a pastor or several pastors in the body of Christ to do that amongst God's people. God intended for all of us to be doing that to each other, one another ministry. So if we're going to minister to one another, then we all have to have the word of God and, and have a, a working knowledge of it so that we can have that rightful role in each other's lives. That's the connection. So uh, because of that, I want to, to help us. You know, some of us couldn't make uh, 
the conference and, and, and go to, to that kind of training. Um, but the whole gist of the training is it's, it's not for professionals to do that ministry. It's for God's people to really do that. And uh, I want to, uh, to, to help us to, to put that into practice here at Sweet Communion. So one of the things hard to do. It was, it was very uh, encouraging to read a book like this because that's one of the things he fights. Let me just read the, kind of the back cover of this book. We believe, excuse me, we might be relieved if God placed our sanctification only in the hands of trained professionals, but that is not his plan. Instead, through the ministry of every part of the body, the whole church will mature in Christ. See what he's saying? See where he's coming to? And he's saying, then let's, let's just teach God's word, learn God's word, and practice God's word in such a way that we're ministering to each other in those healthy ways. Because that's the way God intends for us to function as a body. <clears throat> uh, another verse that kind of speaks to that, look at Colossians 2, verse 19. Colossians 2.19, it says there, um, he, he's talking about, and not holding fast to the head, he's talking about somebody who brings in wrong, wrong teaching and what's wrong with that person and that teaching. But then he says this that I want to focus on, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. He's talking about the body of Christ, how we are nourished and knit together, that we're connected together, and that connection that we have is how we are nourished and how we function as a unit. God intends for us not to function independently, but to function together. And so that, that when I was going through Colossians, I used that, that term of body language, the, the, the body of Christ language, how that should be functioning in our growth process. So we want to we wanna start to put some of that into practice um, in, in intentional ways here at Sweet Communion. Okay, tonight um, what I want to take up on is just a very short, uh, turn to Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15. And we were going through this list of what we should put on, right? In verse 12, it talks about compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Um, going through that list, what... You might not remember the exact definition, but let's get some working definitions or descriptions of what those terms mean. The first one is, is uh, compassionate hearts. What did we say? What would we say compassion means? Now, see, I get to look at my notes, okay? Actually, we said the other way around, didn't we? We said kindness was compassion in action, okay? What was compassion in? What, what is compassion? Just in your own words. Okay, have concern for others, right? Caring about others, all right? Let's go to the next phrase, the next term. 
kindness. We already s- described that. Anybody want to s- add anything to that or give some insight? Kindness and compassion in action. All right. <laughs> I'll take that. All right. Next one. Humility. We actually skipped over humility this morning. So what is humility? We said that was meekness. Humility is very close to that, though, isn't it? What would you say humility is? I don't, you know, it, I don't know if you have to draw a clear line between that and, and, and meekness. Um, but let's just talk about it a little bit. What, what is humility? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's look at that verse. It didn't say, think of yourself lowly, did it? It just said, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. So having somebody else bring it out, what, what else would we add to that? Or, or how, how can we clarify that? Right view of what? Of yourself. Right. And, and God and others and how they all fit together. All right. Um, you know, uh, if you take young children and, and uh, well, pff, not even young children, you take adults and you say, you know, we're gonna, we got something to eat. Here it is all on the table, right? <laughs> what happens? Time to go. Everybody goes and grabs what they want, right? They grab what, 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 what they need or, or what they and their family needs and not so much thinking of anybody else but, you know, first come, first serve kind of thing. Um, we don't always naturally think in terms of others, um, but we need to be thinking. Humility says, I will, I will put others' needs in front of my own, but I will think balanced, I will think properly, have a good balance of, of, of my view of who I am, who God is, who others are. So, Next one is patience. What do you say patience was? All right. In what way? Waiting what? Waiting with a good attitude. I like that. Uh-huh. Waiting with a good attitude. And, and how is that faith in action? It, how does it take faith? What does faith have to have to do with we waiting? Going to wait with a good attitude is based on I actually trust God to 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 do uh, what He does. I actually trust Him to to provide for my for me to do for my good. You know. Um, and, and, and that's where, where patience involves that. Caring with one another and forgiving one another. All right. Um, so the part I wanted to get to tonight, he says this in verse 15. He talks about bearing and forgiving and then love as being the cover for it all. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. How will we describe peace? How will we define peace? 
Okay. One way to describe it. Absence of chaos. All right. What other kind of way would you describe it? Okay, kind of an idea. So at peace with um, where you are. Um, all right. All right. Not worrying. So in Megan's definition, worrying will be kind of a picture of chaos then, right? Mental chaos or a uh, spirit chaos. Spirit and, and is just kind of, you know, shaking and, and not at not at rest, all right? Um, in a physical way, we would describe peace in what way? Two individuals that are at peace with each other. Getting along, okay? Okay, not fighting, no conflict, absence of conflict, absence of hostility, right? We're at peace. And so I think if you use that definition, you can talk about an inward or internal peace as well as an external peace. The internal will be how we are within, regardless of our outward circumstances. So I can be at peace within, even though everything isn't right, everything isn't good. And I think um, we're, as believers, we're waiting here. Uh, for Christ to return, I was just reading a psalm this morning or this afternoon, and and uh, um, I think it was Psalm 25, and it's just talking about, you know, uh, Lord, I put my trust in you. Don't let my enemies uh, triumph over me. Don't let them overtake me. Um, don't put me to shame. Um, and, and he's recognizing that there is an attack on us, spiritual attack on us, and yet we should live in God's peace. And that, that calls for us to trust in God, trust in his protection. Um, but, uh, yeah, we live in, in an environment that's not absent from chaos, that's not absent from conflict. So we can have an internal peace, um, and, and we need to walk in that kind of a peace, and yet... We look forward to when Christ rules that he's going to bring not only an internal peace, the peace that we have within our hearts, but he's going to bring a peace of our situation, a peace to our circumstance, a peace to, to the world that we live in. And that's, we're looking forward to that as well. Um, so in either one of these pieces, whether it's internal or external, it, it kind of struck me that the word of God would say, let the peace of God, what does it say, let the peace of God, what? Rule. So like, rule? How does something rule? What does it mean to rule? Take control, right? All right? In my experience, for something to rule, it's got to deal with and defeat any competing rulers. Right? <laughs> so it's kind of funny that the Word of God would talk about peace as ruling or reigning. Um, and it suggests, in that thought, suggests that in order for peace to rule, there, has to, there will be some conflict. And in fact, there will be some war. Peace is not going to just take over. Um, you know, um, some have a kind of a... Um, a naive view that 
know, if we just talk to people and, and be nice to them, they'll be nice to us. <laughs> well, that doesn't work because of sin, okay? Now, some people <laughs> that works with well, but others it doesn't because of sin. And so for peace to rule, uh, in fact, we, we, we have peacekeepers in our day. We have law enforcement officers <laughs> to, quote, unquote, keep the peace. Well, if they're a law enforcement officer, why do they have to have such authority and, 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 and be equipped with, with uh, um, um, uh, weapons and guns? Because they know that in some cases, in many cases, it's impossible to keep the peace without power and without war and without conflict. And there is a conflict that has to happen for us to have peace. Now, what is that conflict? And in fact, he, he speaks to that here. Another interesting thing, I'm going to answer that, but, but let's look at, um, to answer that, let's look at Colossians 1.20. Another perplexing thought talks about peace. Colossians 1.20 says, Through him, talking about Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace, how? Wait a minute. Making peace by what? Blood. Making peace by blood. <laughs> now that's an interesting thought. The Bible brings this thought in. That there is no peace without some conflict and some ruling and some reigning, some dominant force saying, I will put to rest everything that opposes peace. Because it's not going to sit down by itself. And so he says, it's interesting, he says, making peace by the blood. Now, I could understand that peace by blood because, you know, if you come and want to break in my house, I'm going to keep peace in my house by opposing you, even if it means violent against you to make you bleed, right? But he says here, blood of what? Of the cross. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? God creates the peace that we have by the blood of the cross, by Jesus not going out to strike against in, in, in a physical way, but his blood on the cross is what, what provides our peace. Now, let me balance that. Christ is coming back, and he's coming back as a warrior, and he will, in fact, enforce his power to bring ultimate peace on earth. But it's interesting, peace does not come without a battle, and that battle involves blood. It's just that God on the front side of that says that blood is going to be on the, uh, the blood of the cross. Another verse that speaks to this same, ver um, same thing, Colossians 1.22 Colossians 1.22 says, He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. Now the word reconciled has that idea of bringing two opposing parties together. Kind of peace, right? How did he bring this reconciliation? He has reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. God brought peace by Jesus' death. It's just a fascinating uh, thought to me that this is, God does things in, in such a different way. We have people today 
Um, you know, we just had our elections, and so we always come across people who, who talk about, you know, we want, we want things to go well in our country, in our community. We talk about uh, bringing peace, and we don't often realize there's always a price to peace. You don't, it doesn't just happen. There needs to be something um, um, done to keep that. And if we're going to be a peaceful country, it's not because we talk nice to people all the time. <laughs> it's actually because we will fight for that peace. That's an appropriate topic. Today is, is, is Veterans Day, isn't it? So we honor um, our veterans, those who, who, who uh, served in the military. We, underst we understand, uh, we should understand, we should help our children understand that a strong military is absolutely necessary if, in fact, um, we're not only going to be a nation of peace, but we are a nation that helps uphold peace across the world. I think that's important for, for us to do. We recognize that you can't have that without conflict. If you're going to uh, have good, you're going to have to battle evil. You're going to have to battle evil. Christ did it with his cross, or on the cross, and that is the ultimate way that he dealt with, um, he dealt with, with evil. And so, um, Praise God uh, for that. Now, we see that also in uh, Colossians 2, <clears throat> verse 13 through 15. And read that. You who were dead in trespasses, in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This word triumph, Christ triumph. He had victory over um, uh, the uh, wicked, wickedness and, and spiritual, uh, Satan's, um, Satan's whole um, army, his whole contingent, Christ um, triumph over them. It says, verse 15, he disarmed rulers and authorities. And we talked about how that rulers and authorities actually refers to spiritual um, dominions. It's also referred to in chapter 1, verse uh, 16, and so forth. So um, Christ won uh, he, dominion over um, the spiritual wickedness, the spiritual rulers. Uh, Satan and his forces, and uh, he purchased then with his blood our, our peace. So, <clears throat> verse 15 of chapter 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We can, we can have that peace because of what Christ has done to pay for our sin and brought victory over our greatest enemy, that's Satan himself we have peace uh, through Christ. And in fact, Christ is the only way that secures that peace for us. So um, we can, we can uh, recognize and be thankful to God for what he has provided for us and what his redemption means for us in, in, in our spiritual walk and in what we have look, to look forward to, um, not only in, in this life, but in the life to come. The peace eternal peace that we'll share with God the Father.
right, any questions, any comments on that? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, allowing us uh, to see from your word how you have made for us peace. That peace came at a price. It came at, from a great conflict. Christ won and had dominion um, over Satan and his forces, and he did that his work on the cross. We thank you for that. We thank you now that we can have that peace and allow that peace to, to rule in our lives even though all of our circumstances aren't, aren't um, ideal yet. We, we want to live in that, that patience and um, waiting for Christ to come and, and uh, we want to be faithful and living uh, in obedience to him until he comes. So help us in that. Help us this week, Lord, as we, we uh, examine our relationships and try to have a testimony that brings glory to you in the way that we deal with each other and deal with others. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.